This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! That's right. We are here. We are back in the office in the BeatSource place to be. Look around. Feeling good. Feeling at home here. We've been doing some remote. Thankful. Uh, last week we got to talk to someone in Berlin, and today we're talking to someone in LA. So it's nice to be in the office. Uh, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. Get up on there, BeatSource.com. We got all the heat for you if you're DJing uh, streams, if you're doing in person gigs, if you're doing mixes, radio shows, routines, all that stuff. We've got it constantly curated playlists by all these amazing curators the whole team is very strong and very smart and very talented so go on there we've got things launching all the time we've got beat source link where you can dj off the cloud we got vip crates new ones from dylan francis diplo and so many amazing people we've got integrations and tractor serato and all that so go peep it hit me if you have any questions make sure you keep in touch with me at dj spider on instagram dj s-p-i-d-e-r and thank you you guys, the Beat Sorcerers, and everyone who has been supporting and listening, uh, if you want to help us a little bit more, jump on to the Apple Podcast app and rate and review. Give us that five-star review. Help us climb the charts and more people can listen to us and enjoy the podcast. Uh, and also hit me if you have any topics you want me to discuss or any questions. Uh, and now I want to tell you about our guest of the day on today's show. We've got an L.A. legend. I don't say that lightly. Not only is he an amazing DJ with super valuable insight, which he shares with you on today's show, really valuable insight about the DJ game. He's also a Grammy-nominated multi-platinum producer with over 40 number one Billboard dance chart remixes. He's worked with some of the biggest names in dance music as well as pop. Um, He has the longest-running radio show in dance music, Power Tools, uh, for over 25 years. I mean, this is a show that is part of my life growing up in Los Angeles, finishing your gigs, turning on the radio late at night on a Saturday night, and being able to listen to him play exactly what he wanted for L.A. was huge. It's just a, a big piece of the culture growing up out here. And now it's syndicated all over the place. So uh, it's a great show, huge for dance music community. And um, honestly, I mean, his list of accomplishments is so huge that I would be here talking forever. Um So I won't uh, do them all. You'll hear it in the show. But this episode is a must listen. Uh, He gives so much priceless life and career advice in this episode. I really don't want you guys to miss it. So I am honored to introduce on today's show, Richard Vision. It's the 20 Podcast. We got Richard Vision on the show today. So honored to have you on here, LA legend. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm good that, uh, you know, I'm glad that I'm here. Uh, yes. I'm a fan of your podcast. I've watched many, many, many of them. So when uh, wow. when uh, Phenom hit me, I actually told him, I said, like, wow, I've, I've 
this is, I've actually been waiting for this. So I'm like, you, you know, it took a little long, but no. Amazing. Okay. Nah, That's so funny. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to bother people, you know, like, right, and right. make them feel like, oh, God, I got to go do this podcast. But then when people are super into it like that. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a Hell fan yeah. of what you're doing. All right. So. Amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, everybody listening, thanks you. Um, it's great to have people like you on with like so much experience and someone that I feel like has navigated the DJ game in such a good way. You know what I mean? You've been through so much and you're still killing it right now. Right, so right, for people right, to right. be able to hear this, I feel like they're going to get a lot out of it and to have you on. And I mean, speaking maybe, of maybe get out of what not to do, <laughs> <laughs> they can get yeah. out what not to do and right. what to do. That's right. what I try to give them as well. I try right. to tell some awkward stories they yes. can avoid. There's a lot of awkward stories in my career. <laughs> yes, yes. All of us, yes. I think so that, that comes with the experience. But, um, but I mean, I think something cool just to kind of tie in the fact that you have been doing this for a long time is this last Friday night, you threw a party at uh, Florentine Gardens, right? Yeah, that was incredible. I'm going to say I've been DJing for a minute. Yeah. Probably one of the top five parties I've ever been a part of. That's so incredible and to it's, hear. Yeah, it's, it sounds... For people that were there, and I see them hashtagging, they're hashtagging best party ever. And I was like, you know what? That was special. It That's was very crazy. special. And and it's crazy how I came about the yeah. Born and Raised guys who an amazing, if you guys aren't up on Born and Raised, they're uh, a clothing brand out of Los Angeles. Uh, shout out to my boy Sponto, who is just, you know, all about L.A. culture and he hit me up just you know uh him and sour milk from power 106 hit me up and like yo would you be interested in playing at one of our parties and i was like oh all right that sounds cool and then we all just started chalking yeah. it up and and sponto was like you know it'd be incredible is if we did this at florentine gardens and i'm thinking at first i'm thinking no, that's not incredible. That's that's <laughs> really weird. Like, like no, no, no. Let's let's go to you know uh, I don't want to name clubs, but let's go to this club or this club or this club. Right. And you know that's a little more current. And and then Sponto really you know really like said it's important for LA culture for us to step back into Florentine Gardens. Yes. Like and at first I didn't get it, but. Once I walked back in for sound check, I went, oh, shit, there's an energy in this room. Yep. Like, you know, and the amount of work that we had to do for this party. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll just say it. We, Florentine Gardens has the same sound system from the 80s. No way, really? Yes. Same sound system from the 80s. And 80% of the lights are the same lights from the 80s. That's pretty mind-blowing, huh? Mind-blowing. <laughs> but with that being said... We had to bring in a complete sound system. Right. A complete light show. Yeah. They'd never done table service. And when I tell you guys that I was doing meetings where we were sitting there and saying, all right, we're going to put this table here, this table here. We're going to run this line out here. Like, it was crazy. We had to, we had to reinvent that whole room. And it was a um, ridiculous amount of work. But let me tell you, uh, doing it with the born and raised guys, um, that created a special atmosphere being in that room. Right. Like, because people who don't know Florentine Gardens, 
That club was around since the 80s, since it started in 1980. That place has been a part of L.A. dance culture all the way up until now. And there's very few clubs. There are no clubs since 1980 that are still standing with its original name of today. None. And it was so, it was really important. And, and bro, we saw like, I saw people crying inside. Crazy. It was, it was just crazy with that atmosphere and also bringing back, uh, the club that I used to do in the nineties called the dome and, and, and really seeing how, how that played a part in LA culture and it, and the idea of the dome, Florentine gardens, born and raised the power Tool crew, all at one place it was a special night and i will say this because somebody asked me what made it so special and i said it was the first time in about maybe 15 years where i saw 1500 people dancing not 1500 people just kind of being cool or waiting for the drop and jumping up and down it was 1500 people sweating right dancing and that was the magic of the night that the energy where people were just like, I'm just here to move. Yeah. yeah. It was incredible. It was an incredible night. That's that does sound incredible. And yeah. I think it's it is good you did it there. Like like he said, you know, it's important to go back yes. and and it's a, it's historical. I mean, yes, it you is. know, he's out, you know, Sponsor was absolutely right that it was so important for LA culture to do it at Florentines, to acknowledge that that place has been such a part of our culture. Right. Whether you've been there or not, that place has affected. You probably went when it was the heist. Definitely uh, went to yeah, the heist. Yeah. yeah. So, I saw AM yes. do his first, uh, DJ AM do his first set at the heist there. I was there that night too. Crowd surf for his yes. first time. He yes. was all freaking out. Yes. You know, I remember that. Yes. Hyphy Crunk. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hyphy Crunk actually produced our night. Yes. Oh, he did. Yeah. Mark actually, on Friday. Yeah, on Friday. Oh, that's he, that's yeah. even better. It was even better. Like me, him, and the owner just being like we'd have these chats because we like I did it in the '90s with Kenny, the owner. He did it in the 2000s with Kenny, the owner. And right. Now we're all back in the same room. That's just so like, dope. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was cool. So that place has had such a part of LA culture. It was just really important for us to like be there, and I'm so glad that we did. Yeah, I'm so glad. I mean the the I couldn't be there. I wish I would have. Right. After hearing it now, right. I'm like, oh, I wish I would have come. Right. But I mean, just seeing the videos, just the line outside of Florentine Garden right. is iconic in right. itself. Just right. that it goes along that sidewalk. Yeah. Like I remember driving by even when I wasn't going to the club and I'm going right. somewhere else, and you would just see the line outside of Florentine yeah. Gardens. It was just massive. And that 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 place for for me. I actually went because I started DJing in the late 80s. Right. So one of the first clubs I went to, first two clubs I've ever been to in my life was Maryland's in Pasadena. And the first club in Hollywood was Florentine's. Wow. So I, you know, I used to just look up at the DJ booth going, God, this is fucking amazing. This club, this sound. So for me, it even goes back even a little further than right. even when I did my residency with the dome there. Yeah. That's so cool, man. So are you going to continue this, do you think? Or is that just a one-off? I think it's a one-off for now. I right. mean, that's what uh, us in Born and Raised, just like, let's just do a one-off party. Just, right. like, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, could we do another one-off? Yes. It was a lot of right. fun. It was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. 
It was definitely really cool. Oh, that's cool. so cool. I mean, yeah. I I saw even clips from Sour Milk. I love the Ed Sour Milk part of it too. Oh. I mean, he was playing crazy. Let me let me tell you, Sour Milk did this set where he played Spanish music on on a scam on a scam uh uh on scam um live stream that yeah. I played out with Angie V. Right. And he destroyed it. Like destroyed it. So when he was playing, like, I was like, bro, you got to play. Like when we used to do the dome, we always had the, what we called the breakup set. Like we play house all the way up until like 1115. And then somebody would play a 45 minute set. And then I would go on and it'd be house for the rest of the night. Yeah. And they would play the Smiths. You know, they would play the cure. They just play some just, I won't say obscure stuff, but just stuff that wasn't house music. Yeah. And sour milk literally i will say this had the set of the night he had the set of the night he was cutting in and out of music people were singing along he was going from the cure to a debbie deb song i mean it was it was incredible he was like i have the most utmost respect for sour milk as a dj oh yeah yeah he killed it that's great yeah the the clips i saw from it i'm like damn he's playing like the smiths and the and the cure and yeah People were loving it, like dancing, yes. singing along. Yes. It was just, uh, yeah, it just reminded me of the old days of L.A. nightlife, too, you know, coming up. And even in the same way you said you had to bring the lights, you had to bring the sound yeah. system. I remember in the 90s going to these parties, and you would, on the flyer, it would say who was doing the sound system right. and who was doing right. the lights. Right. You know, that right. was a thing back yeah. then. You know, Absolutely. now maybe someone will say there's a function one or some random thing, but you don't know. It wasn't like, oh, this crew, they got the crazy speaker set up with the Serwin Vega or, you know, whatever, like, type thing. And that's that's what made the night so special is that we wanted the music to feel like a party. Like, it revolved around house music, but even back in the day, we always had that breakup set, and that set just really... It changes the energy in a room. Yeah. Then playing the same type of music all night. Right. Yeah. Totally. So we wanted to bring that back. And that was very, I don't think people have seen that in a long time. No. Around house music. Like, I think some people are like, oh, I'm listening to the Smiths right now. And then a half hour later, like, oh, Rich is playing the most underground jam I've ever heard. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's super crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're used to this, the, sh- the EDM Vegasy thing where maybe yeah. they'll play a song that's pre-done in a transition, yeah. but not like true DJing, right. you know? Right. And like, I mean, I even heard you, I think it was on another podcast mentioning, or it was on some kind of interview, I think a Grammy interview where you were saying that it's changed in the way that people used to come out to see a DJ do a set. And now it's more like song based where whatever songs you have out, then you're a big, you know, Calvin Harris, right. and someone's gonna watch you perform it. Right. Um, do you want to speak on that at all? Like, I think, I the think, difference? yeah, I think it's starting to change up. Right. Because what what happens is at that point in time when I did that interview, uh, EDM was top forty. Yeah. Right. So, dance music actually gets slightly bigger when it's not top 40 because it becomes underground again. Yeah. So now people are going to see DJs because of their sets. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about so much EDM DJs, but they'll go hear a techno DJ just based on that guy's got the vibe. Yeah. And I think right. and I think also live streaming brought back 
the vibe. Yes, right? yes. Right? Where you're, you're listening to a DJ and you're not like, I'm going to go listen to that live stream because he's going to play his own song. Right. You're going more like, I just, I fuck with this DJ. Yeah. Like this, oh, this DJ has the vibe. Right. And I think that is starting to come back where people want to go hear a DJ for the two or three hour experience as opposed to I'm going to go hear a DJ for him to drop those three songs I know. Yeah. I think that's starting to switch. Right. And, or, or at least it's coexisting. Yes. It's right? coexisting. Yeah, it's, yeah. coexisting. it's almost like one had its time, then another yeah. had its time and now they're coming together. Yes. Yes. So I think that's, that's really cool. And it's, it's actually got me excited about DJing again. It's yeah, really, it's really like, I think live streaming and, you know, and, and during COVID, I think a lot of DJs, including myself, and I'm saying more for myself, I think we got comfortable on doing what we were doing before COVID. Yeah. Totally. Right. We, ah, if I play this song, it's going to make the crowd go crazy. And I know if I do this trick, it's going to make the crowd go crazy. But then live stream came and you're like, all right, there's no crowd to make go crazy. So I like, I, I need to be good. <laughs> you know, I need to yeah. be like really, really good. And, and especially on my live streams, I took it with the approach of, I'm not going to be talking. So if I'm not talking and entertaining you, what I play better be fucking really good. Right. And, and there's no, there's no distractions because the camera's just on you. Yeah. Like if you fuck up, you fuck up. If the flow isn't right, then there's no, there's no wiggle room. Yeah. There's no, like, I just fucked up on the mic and I get on the mic. How many people make some fucking noise? There's none of that. <laughs> right, right. So I think uh, the live stream, I mean, it made me practice again. Yeah. Like, it made me like, oh, shit, I got to work out this transition. Oh, okay, on this third jack, I got to hit the acapella here. Uh, let me edit this a little shorter. Like, I really, it made me, like, I think my skills came back up to where they should be. Yeah. And I think that's the course for a lot of DJs. Yeah. Because I saw a lot of DJs on live stream, and I was like, Oh, that guy has skills. I didn't know. Right. Like, oh, this dude's dope. This dude, or, or this guy's really trash. Like, he's just <laughs> like, hey, he wasn't that great at the, you know, like, he really can't do it right. on live stream. Like, you saw some people, and I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, so I, but for yeah. me, for me, and I, it just really made me zone in on the art of DJing again. And that was cool. That's and now true. I'm applying it on my live sets, you know, right. Cause I want to really have that same energy. Yeah, totally. It brought out that the trusting of the DJ thing. I think right. people trusted a DJ. They saw the name on the flyer and they go, okay, I trust whatever that person's going to do. It's going to be dope. Instead of, I really want to hear them play those three songs right. like they were going to the Kiss concert and they right. want to hear, I want to rock all night long, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So now it's the same thing with the live streaming. I The people that I trust the most, I go on their station and then I can just walk away from it. Like, right. okay, I'm going to put on Scratch Bassett. I'm going to put on someone that yeah. I know, pretty sure I'm going to like whatever they're doing. 100%. And in the same way, like you trust their curation, you trust their music taste, the things that they're going to pull out and teach you about or, or remember, you know, make, make you remember. And 
their skills that are yeah. going to inspire you in yeah. that in that same and that's, way. That's 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 that was awesome about live stream because like like uh, and this probably happened to you. You I discovered a lot of DJs I would have never ever heard totally. of. Totally, so never because you know you don't get a chance to go to all the clubs. Yeah, right. And uh, like I had heard of Angie V, but I never heard angie v i think same yeah so i was like so and i had a couple of friends like yo you gotta go on ig right now and check this girl out <laughs> and i was just like oh shit she's playing house like she's scratching oh she's got like she's got skills she knows what she's doing yeah like i i became a fan right like i'm just like i'm listening to her like i'm 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 walking through the market and shopping and i'm listening to her like on her live stream and i think that's like and there's been a bunch of djs that i discovered and i'm sure you discovered through yeah. live streaming that you just start to like you know they inspire you um but they also entertain you which yeah, is dope totally which is really cool yeah, yeah. It's so nice to be able to see that, connect with them, and then go ahead and collaborate with them. Like you said, you you did the scam stream yeah. with her and Milk. Then and Milk ends up doing the sour milk, ends up doing yeah. the party with yeah. you. Absolutely. So it all kind of brought us together yeah. in these cool ways. Yeah. And there was new ways we were talking before the podcast, new ways to even collaborate on music. Um with yeah. music production or making mixes and you said you use something called listen up yeah we use listen up to just kind of uh share each other's uh so we can have sound and and there's a whole bunch of programs at, right. at the same time but like i did a session this morning at 9 30 in the morning oh wow! like we just had a there was just a couple of things we had to touch up on a mix and add some stuff to another song and it's just with technology like this like, it wasn't like, all right, we're going to meet at the studio yeah. at, you know, and nobody's going to the studio at, at 9.30 in the morning. No. no yeah, you're no. just not. But you know what? I could put on a pair of headphones. My boy puts on his headphones. Let's tighten up this, uh, you know, these two things we're working on. And I think technology has brought together, you know, uh, through COVID, you know, through Zoom. And, the, and just the technology yep. of working and looking at each other. Um, uh, it's made it, it's made like, I've gotten so much more done. Yeah. Uh, than having to set up the studio session right. where everybody has to drive to you or you have to drive to them. You cut out all that time. So you have more time to do other right. things. Right. It's not like, where are we going to eat? Oh, we're going to get yeah. Postmates. What do you yeah. want? Okay. Oh, yeah. this person just came by. We're going to yeah. talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah. and like you said, we can do it. Like I interviewed someone in Berlin last week at nine 30 in the right. morning. You so know, I wouldn't amazing. have done, it wouldn't have happened, yeah. but I was able to just get up, put on my headphones. Hey, you're in yeah. Berlin. The sun's going down there. Just came right. up here. Right. Um, so yeah, th that's the that's been some of the good part of being stuck inside and being yeah. forced to learn all this technology. Yeah, yeah, you, we're forced to, but that's also I think that brains. I mean, there's it's now become endless, right? right? Like like now I can send somebody like if if I'm working on a song and I I want some guitar parts, like yeah. I can send it to somebody. Yeah, and but actually be in the room with them while they cut it and be like, "Yo, that's that's it, that's it. Do more of that." Right. And I and I don't think we've had that freedom uh, before. Or maybe we just didn't use the technology because we weren't. Yeah, we were forced to, to do it yes. now. So yes. now we're sort of discovering. Oh, we got this. Even with OBS, like no one right. knew what it was, and right. now people are like, "Oh, that's what you use to go on Twitch." Oh wait, I can use this to record. I can do this. Right. Like I ended up producing a whole New Year's Eve live stream 
you know, Amazing. thing that I did and just using OBS because they were like, meet us at the Hard Rock in Hollywood and we're going to record you and and what are you going to bring? And I was like, I could do all this at home. I got green screens, mics, right, cameras, right. lights, and I'll make this look better than right. if you meet me at the Hard Rock, you know? Right. So I 100%. sent it in. They were like, oh, this is dope, you know? Right. So, and I didn't know I could do that probably months before in the year, right, but 100%. now I'm just using OBS and all these mics and everything we bought is roadcaster you know all this new new stuff um it, it's amazing and and i think you're no stranger to that because like you've been doing this forever you know over 25 years and you you've you've been able to i think reinvent yourself periodically while staying authentic and true to who you've been since the beginning is that right. a good way to say yeah. it yeah 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 and i and i it's I people will say reinvent, but I look at it as I just get re-energized. Yeah, it's not reinvent. No, it's no, no, no. Like it the is, next chapter. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's definitely the next chapter, and it's definitely. Uh, I've been very fortunate in my career to um, to be able to, and I won't say like jump onto something, right? But be able to stay current if that makes any any yeah. sense and and you know as soon as you're and i have people tell me this oh the new music isn't like the old music the old music and i'm just as soon as you start having that conversation in my opinion you've already just said okay i'm i've stopped growing yes and i will always be a fan of new music and maybe right. it's because We've done power tools for over 25 years. So I'm always bombarded with new music. Yeah. I always see you can't stop a new trend. Um, so I've been very fortunate to still get excited when I hear something new and fresh and like, and, and as a DJ, you could be like, I'll hear something and I'll be like, that's amazing. I want to do that. Yeah. Like, I love the way this sounds. Um, and the great thing about, like, house music, like, you can give it whatever name you want to call it. To me, like, some people say, oh, idiot, it's, it's all house music to me. Yeah. Right? Right? So, at the core essence of it, some will be a little more popular. Some will be a little more underground. But still, the core, like, house music has never died right. like you never you never ever hear anybody going ah, house music that's a bad word right now um <laughs> as true. opposed to like techno was in in the 90s and then nobody said techno for about 15 years right and now people are calling techno what is house music today yeah and it's you know but i understand they have to brand it to give it their thing and that's cool but um i've just been very fortunate in my career you know when i when i started playing when I first started DJing, I didn't even know what house music was. Right. Right. So I'm playing like what we call in LA, like high energy disco and I'm playing Miami bass and I'm playing freestyle records. And, and that's what I was into because I hadn't heard house music yet yeah. until I heard my first house song. And it was, uh, it was called Adonis nowhere back. And my boy just played it. He got it as a promo. And he was like, I don't, what is this? And he goes, I was like, 
that's amazing. And he gave it to me. And I still didn't know it was called house music. Me and me and Bad Boy Bill, we laugh all the time because right. they were way into house music, obviously. Yeah. Like they were defining house music, but there was no internet back then. There was no like, right. yo, what's this shit? This is amazing. Yeah. And and so like, but after I heard that record and bought like four more records, I was like, this is what I'm gonna do with my life. Like, I don't want to play any of this anymore. And I felt that, like, change. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then the same thing happened, like, you know, like, probably, like, three years later, I heard a techno record. Like, in the early, like, you know, probably 1989, 90, where it was just a Hoover synth. I was like, that's amazing. I need to do that. And, you know, I, I, I did uh, the movement. We even produced some records, yeah. you know, like one of the probably one of the first techno records to come out of L.A. in 1990. It was called Jump. Um, so I've been able to like when I hear something new and I fall in love with it and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And I've been and I've been very lucky and fortunate that I have, have been able to do that. Right. Right. So then like, you know, the techno, techno was around maybe only like three years, three or four years. I mean, it was around longer, but I realized like afterwards, like I, then house music started creeping in. I'm like, I need to go back to house yeah. music. Right. And I, and I guess maybe just as a DJ, uh, people just accepted it because I was able to also as a DJ, present it well yes and that and that goes with just being a passion of that music and and willing to practice and put in the time and the effort and you know i've just been very fortunate that i i i've been able to like navigate through stuff that i love but when when, i don't want to make it sound like oh i'm hopping on a bandwagon it's something that i i see early on but i'm passionate yeah. It's never ever about I want to do this because I'm going to make some money. Right. Yeah. No, I think you're open-minded. You know, you're yeah. I think a lot of great DJs are open-minded. Like you said, I always want to hear new music. I'm always listening every new every week there's new stuff yeah. coming out. I want to yeah. hear it. Every genre at this point, the older I get, I want to hear more and more, you know, different right. genres and try to figure out how to mix it together. So, um and I don't think you're someone you're not someone that's known as uh, a trend hopper or someone right. that's no, trying no, to do right. it for the money. Right. You know right. what I mean? No, you like, you're so, you know, you've got the longest running dance music radio show right. and pod, you and know, we, now and podcast. we do that without making any money well, so, <laughs> for <and> years. <laughs> right. That's something you've done as a passion yes. since the beginning. I yes. mean, how did that even start? Like how, what was the first show of the that first the concept? The, yeah. The first, the first show I was at power one Oh six for about two years at this point. And, um, I had an idea of doing like an all house techno show. And I went to go tell the program director. I'm like, Hey, I got this idea. And they're like, that's a great idea. We're about to be all fired in three weeks. <laughs> and you tell the new people that, and that was just my, I was like, what do you mean you guys are going to be fired? Yeah. Yeah. They're cleaning house. I couldn't even comprehend. Right. I couldn't even, I'm like, wait, there's new people coming in. Like this is, 
and sure enough, the new regime came into power in 106. Yeah. And it was uh, the, the people from corporate. It was Rick Cummings came in to, uh, to run the station. And I said, you know, he met with all the DJs. And, right. and I, sh- I said this idea. And he was like, that's a great idea. Uh, when do you want to start? And I was like, uh, we'll start it next, you know, this Saturday. And he was like, all right, cool. You know how to, you know how to work the mics and everything. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to host it. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, who should host it? And I was like, well, one of the on-air jocks. Right. And he was like, do they know about house and techno? And I was like, I don't know. Well, that answers your question. You know about it. So you talk about it. I went, we did the first show, had no idea, never had talked on the radio in my life. It was the worst sounding show because we pre-recorded it. I got out of the club with my friends. We all go to the car at two in the morning. We're listening to it. And I'm like, I'm literally got my head down. I'm like, my friends are laughing at me. This is amazing. This sounds horrible. I'm like, this is horrible. So I go in for the following week. You do a sound check thinking like, oh, they're going to bring somebody else in because this sounds horrible. Yeah. And I listen to it and we're listening to it and I'm just cringing. And he's like, all right, you'll get better. And I was like, no, I think we need to bring somebody in. Nah, you'll get better. And I was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. How is he going to let me on the air again? That's crazy. This is crazy. It's crazy. Don't let me on that. I don't want myself on the air. It was that bad. But he was right within like, you know, doing it eight times. It started to become comfortable. Right. After, you know, after like three or four months. And I'm sure like when you did your first podcast. 100%. Yeah, you're just like thinking as you were saying that. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh, this is just really bad. This is just. Oh, yeah. Well, they were like, you know how to do everything, right? I'm like, no, I've never interviewed someone in my life. You know what I mean? I'm just going to talk like I normally talked, you know, DJ talk. But as it goes, you learn and, and, and same listening back to myself, like, I can't, I don't want to hear this, Yeah, you know, but, but as it goes. And it's just a matter of becoming comfortable. That's all it is. Becoming comfortable in in your environment. And that's how the show basically started off. And thank, you know, thank God for the supporters, the visionaries behind it. So what's the person's name? Oh, Rick Cummings. Rick Rick, Cummings. So thank God for him and his mind and his vision because yes. maybe that wouldn't have happened and thank god for phenom and quickie and the people yeah. here to go no you're the guy to do yeah. this podcast i'm like are you sure and they're right. like yes it's gonna be great it, yes. um very similar kind of thing yes. you know absolutely like you need those kind of people around you and the, yes. these people on your team that almost believe in you more than you believe in yourself at first yeah. you know and give you that jump start and i've done it i've done it i've done it before there's been because we have different producers where we'll have an intern all of a sudden and i know he's like wait i'm gonna produce the show this week and i'll be like yeah uh but i've never done it. i'm just like you'll figure it out don't worry right don't worry you yeah. know it's like they'll get good and they'll be amazing and we've had over the years we've we've had such a great team i've had uh great co-host i mean tony b back in the day was a co-host uh tony largo for a while swedish ego is still my co-host i mean me and ego have been doing it together for about maybe 20 years now it's been I a mean, long he's time the voice that's yeah. just in my brain yes. that i hear you know yes. i remember leaving my gigs and yeah. putting it on in the car on my drive home you yeah. know and ego ego is amazing so it's and, and we do it for the love like like we did it for so many years at power they never paid us we didn't ask. That's yeah, pretty crazy, we didn't. Yeah, yeah, we didn't. You know, I think they paid us for like the first five years. And then it became like, 
it was actually kind of cool. Well, like if you don't pay us, I, like not saying this, you can't really like boss us around. Yeah, it's your show. You're full creative control, right? You know, and I and that's what I and that's what I I think the people at Power. It was it was Rick Cummings. After that was Jimmy Steele, and I think they were so brilliant. As in, like if they ever told us things it was just more to tweak the show yeah. to be better right like a little more concise yeah but they never ever said hey man that trance dj ah uh, let's let's cut that right like they never ever got involved with uh so we've always had free range and that's always and that's the spirit of power tools and the spirit yeah. of power tools what makes it really special is i do a half hour set and it's three guest djs Right. And 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 with that formula over 25 plus years, I mean, we saw like Dioro before he was Dioro, we gave a residency. You know, we we're able to like Swedish House Mafia's first thing they ever done on US radio was power tools. Wow. Uh, where they yeah, they all they got off the plane and came straight to my studio at my studio because they could only come like on a it was on an off day that we weren't at power. It's it just the most amazing like things that have happened where we we're able to showcase uh djs and help you know break like like chain smokers for instance yeah they probably don't even they probably don't even know this but uh this is how the story goes uh lauren from uh from Dimac sends me the record and says what do you think and this was selfie and right. this is before they put it out before anything and i was like this is either a big record or it's a terrible record, but I need to play it. And I played it on Saturday and all of a sudden I was getting texts like, wait, like two o'clock. What, what's that record? What's that record? What's that record? <laughs> and I was like, oh, this has a reaction. So I gave it that Monday. I gave it to DJ Drew at Kiss. And I'm like, yo, I got a real reaction on this. He then plays it. And then uh, the programmer of KISS and the music director call me up. And they're like, is this a real record, Richard? And, and I'm at power, mind you. I'm at power. Not very many people know about this. And I was like, this is a real record because I also played it out at a club. I, I played it on that weekend as well. And I saw the reaction. And they're like, all right, this, the, we're going to go on this. And... And right there, like I called a few label presidents and I'm like, look it, I'm just sending you this record. I think this is about to explode. And they had a bidding war. Oh, wow. And that, but it was taking that initial, having, having a show like Power Tools where we get to play whatever we want. Yeah. And giving exposure and being able to give and get feedback from listeners um yeah that that's just something special we there there's i could tell you a hundred stories like that that has happened through power tools because we've been very fortunate to be able to play whatever record we want but more importantly have the guests come on and play whatever they want right yes Oh, it's great. And then, and then the mix of it, you know, like even just a couple of weeks ago, you had like Toki Monster yes. and you're on there. Yes. And the, the, you know, sort of. It's a melting pot. Yeah, melting pot. Like it was yeah. such a crazy mix yeah. of sounds, yeah. you know. 
And um, even back in the 90s, we used to do that. I would play, then we'd have a drum and bass DJ, then we have a trance DJ, and then another house DJ. I love it's it. It's always, yeah, it's always been a melting pot. And that's that's what makes the radio show, I think, exciting. And and that's why we've been around. If I would just play for two hours, the show isn't going to be around for for 25 years. Right. It's, it's, it's the guest that make it. yeah it's keeping it fresh keeping it young yeah and it's giving back to the dj community Absolutely. you know because it's bringing people up it's teaching other people it's inspiring them it's yeah. putting the sounds out there i mean it's really hard on terrestrial radio to get any sort of oh it's a music that is unknown you know yes. even my son like we were talking about earlier he's eight years old and he's like why do they play the same song on the radio all day and night? He's asking me this, yeah. and I'm like, that's yeah. just how it goes. He's like, I hear this, you know, some Chris Brown song right. all day, all yeah. night. I'm like, I know. That's why you got to, like, make your own <laughs> playlist yeah. or find cool DJs, right. you know, and listen to it. So to have that is, like, something really special. Yeah. Um, you know, you've added so much unique uh, musical experiences to LA I think between your parties the radio show and just you yourself and and you know we haven't even discussed your music production much and right. all the stuff you've done with that um but but before that like how did you start you grew up here in LA right yes. so um how did you first start getting into DJing and and find that first record that turned you on when your friend gave it to you and all that? I think my my first experience is I went to a club called Maryland's in Pasadena. Okay, and this club was a twenty one and under club. Oh yes, no alcohol, and you had I think you had to be fifteen though. It was like fifteen to like twenty one, and all my friends were going. I was into rock music at the time. Okay, I'm listening to Kiss. Led Zeppelin, right. Rush, like, you know, and I see my friends like taking in their pants, wearing tight pants. And this is, this is a skinny jeans before we call them skinny jeans. And, and I'm just like, what are these guys doing? Like I, you know, I used to call them disco bunnies. Why are you guys <laughs> dressed like a disco bunny? And they're like, yo, you got to come to this club, man. You got to come to this club. So they lent me their clothes. I didn't have clothes to wear. Cause I got like, you know, like, uh, I don't know what we call them, but those vests, the big puffy vest. I don't have any clothes, so they lend me pants, lend me their shoes, everything. So I'm walking in like a disco bunny going, <laughs> what am I doing? This is just weird. <laughs> I don't know how to dance, so I go to the club. It's two floors. And I go to the top floor, and I'm just standing there, and I can see the DJ. And at this time, I don't know what possessed this DJ. His name, his name's Boris uh, from Boris and Chris, who used to mix on Power 106. He made a headphone out of a telephone. So he's DJing with it because it's like a cool thing. He's DJing with a telephone. And I'm like, who's he calling? Like, why is he on the phone? Why is this dude on the phone? And yeah, man? and I don't get it. And my, my friends are like, no, he's mixing. I'm like, what's mixing? He's good. He's playing that record. And that they'd be pointing. See, now he's going to that record. Now he's going to that record. And I like, I'm still like, okay. But I see the party going. Yeah. I see everybody having a good time. But he goes into Michael Jackson Wannabe Starting Something, which I knew that record. Yeah. And then my friend gave me a mixtape so I learned the music before I went to the club, like three days before. Right. And so it breaks down to the mama say, mama say, mama say. And I'm like, I know this. And then he brings in this song uh, by Bobby Orlando called She Has A Way. And I know the two songs. And I can, for the first time, I hear the blend. I'm like... Oh, he's played two records at the same time. Right. And right there, I was like, 
I want to do that. Because I knew amazing. the two records, and I was like, right. wow, that's amazing. So then I started asking my friends, hey, you have DJ equipment? You have some DJ equipment? And like one boy's like, oh, I got a turntable I can lend you. Right. I got a turntable. So this is going to sound this is gonna sound lame as hell. We set up two turntables and a mixer. We don't even know you're supposed to use headphones. We don't know you're supposed to cue. We don't know you're supposed to mix you're on like, beat. We don't have that phone thing, now, Yeah, we don't have the phone <laughs> thing. And there's nobody to teach us. And our, our way of mixing at the time was when there's no beat, just bring in the next record. Right. Like we had one turntable has pitch control, one turntable doesn't. <laughs> it's just idiotic. And then one of my friends came over and they're like, no, you need headphones. You need this. And I think like it was in my high school alone, we had 50 DJs. Like within six months, everybody was DJing. Everybody was learning how to beat match. Everybody, and it just became like we were all just obsessed right. with this uh, art form. And that's how I just kind of caught the wave of, of, of really learning how to mix and, and spending hours and hours and just like a competitive nature where I basically didn't want to suck. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I want to go play, but I don't want to suck. Right, of course. And at the beginning. <laughs> that that's was my your, goal. Yeah, too. that's your goal at the beginning. Just don't suck, man. You're like, I got the music I like. I kind of understand yeah. what to do. I just don't. It's like snowboarding. You're like, just yeah. don't fall yes. under yourself. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you just don't fall. And I started to get, I started to get, you know, I started to get decent at it. But when it really all clicked for me, and this is going to sound funny, I was in high school and I was taking a class. It was taking modern dance. Oh, okay. Me and 30 girls in leotards. Don't <laughs> sounds, ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there for the dancing aspect. <laughs> uh, but I, but the teacher would count out five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Two, two, three. And I started realizing, wait, by the time she got to five again, she'd go back to one, the song recycled. And I, that's when I was like, oh, there's measures. So in high school, I started learning how to time out my mixes. Right. And I don't think none of the DJs around me knew that. Yeah. None of the DJs realized we were timing out mixes. And I only knew like one other DJ that was like, his name was Mondo Nemesis that was doing it. And I was like, it was almost like I discovered this yeah unlocked found and that once i had that tool i was like okay i'm really hooked because now i can make a vocal come after another vocal a bass come after another bass and that's like in high school i started pushing i think the threshold i didn't want to be limited by two turntables so i started mixing with a reel to reel oh wow i started, I started like program put a mix on reel to reel then dub acapellas i started really trying to just push the art forward once i had that that cycle in me yeah and that's that's how that's how i really got into it that is crazy so interesting and cool to hear too because same growing up here in la it was that team mentality where it was like, okay, David has the turntables, yep. Julian yep. has the mixer. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, 
like Ben has yeah. three records, right? You know, right, and right. then we'd be like, "What do you have?" Well, he's got Super Sharp Shooter and Mob Deep, yeah. and another one. And DJ you put them rectangle. all, you put them all in the crate, and everybody writes their name on the crate on the yeah. song. So you know, hey, that's that's my Mob and Deep. And they'd be like, "Let yeah. me get on." Yeah. Okay, okay, you're not doing it right. It's the acapella. Yeah. Oh, how does he get it to go over? Yeah. And it was the same thing. Well, I saw someone do this, and and I remember going to raves, going to Insomniac yeah. raves, and yeah. going. I thought they were making the music until, like you said, someone showed me that they were taking records and mixing them together ah, because right. they'd be behind that whole thing. Right. I'm right. there. I'm yeah. 16 years old. I'm looking yeah. up. I'm like, are they making this right. music live? Because right. it's so mind-blowing. Right. It's so loud and yeah. the lights, you know. Yeah. And then when I realized, like you yeah. said, oh, I know that song. He's mixing it. Oh, that's crazy. And then you'd yeah. go to the person's house and we would try to figure it out. But I don't know if that was just an L.A. thing. But, yeah, DJing. You know, for me, it was probably early 90s, and it was the team mentality. Right. No, you know, that, that was the way to learn. Thing. We even had it at one at one house because we eventually you needed 1200s, but right. none of us could afford two 1200s in a mixer. So oh, one yeah. had one 12. So we put it all in my friend's house in their basement, and we would have a practice schedule. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, oh, yo, you got it from after school from 3 to 4. You could come from 4 to 5. Right. It was that kind of mentality where, like, 10 DJs would practice at the same spot yeah. and work it out. And that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was a really cool time. That's so cool. Yeah. So from there, how did you get into music production and learn how to do that and begin? So I, I learned by failing miserably. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but when I say miserably, I'm talking like I produced my first record, not, this is not, Midding anything up. So imagine us taking a drum machine, playing live, putting the drum machine on one track of a four track, all yeah. the elements. Yeah. Trying to play keyboards on another track, not MIDI, playing it live, trying right. to do dance music. And then my friend singing, not all in key, <laughs> and going to a record label and playing on this demo. Oh my God. <laughs> Thinking we had the hottest shit in the world and they're lucky we're coming to them. They're lucky that I've taken time out of right. my schedule yeah. to go there. <laughs> and I'm in this meeting and the guy looks at us and says, he says, um, don't ever play this for anybody under any circumstances <laughs> ever again. Wow. This is probably the worst demo I've ever, ever heard <laughs> and you're just like you're almost speech like the air is so taken out of you like you walk out of that meeting and at first you're just like fuck him he doesn't know what he's talking about this shit's right. hot yeah and then you kind of like all right let me listen to it again and you're just like oh my god this is really bad <laughs> This is just <laughs> at least you have the confidence to go through with all of it. You got to have confidence. I mean, I think I think part of being a DJ is how you got to have the confidence. If you're yeah. thinking about it, you're playing records to entertain people. Right. Like people are trusting you like, yeah. hey, asshole, I pay to get in here. <laughs> I want to have the time of my life. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. So <laughs> as a DJ, you got to have confidence. Like, I know how to do this. I'm going to make these people feel good. So I think as a producer. So that was kind of my first introduction and then um you know my friend got an asr 10 right and i think that changed everything because it's kind of like it's kind of like it was it's ableton at the time where yeah. it was easy enough one machine 
we could put our drums, we could put our synths, you know, it was just a sampler yep. and an eight track. And uh, the first record um, that we ever worked on on the ASR 10 was called Jump by the Movement. Oh yeah, and yeah. that's the jump, motherfucker. Yeah, jump. that was that. That was our first record out of an ASR ten where we had control. Crazy, and we're like, let's just sample this record, let's sample this record, and let's. That's sample what I was gonna say. Record. So, because the ASR ten has no sounds in no, it, right? No. So you just yeah. literally went through sample. your favorite records and took sample. That's all we did. All we did. I literally, I took six different records to make that record. Crazy. Yeah, just take this loop from this record. Let's grab this kick from this record. Let's grab this synth from this record. And and I was playing at um it was called the Palace before Avalon. Okay. And and techno was big and I was playing in the club and every time I, I start dropping techno, all my friends were jumping up and down on the <laughs> on the dance floor. And so I just started getting on the mic, started going, jump everybody, jump, everybody, jump. And I have like, you know, two thousand people jumping. And we made a record built around that and then we brought in Hayes, who was a rapper at the time. And yeah, that was my first record first ever putting out anything and all of a sudden like this independent record label out LA wants to sign it and we're like okay because uh, you know back then you couldn't put out a record yourself we didn't we didn't yeah. know how to put out a record ourselves right uh, back then so and then next thing I know I'm being flown to New York never had been to New York in my life and I I'm at Arista in a meeting with Clyde Davis because they want to sign us to Arista. Wow. So it like moved really fast from one record to like all of a sudden I'm touring around the world. I'm in Australia. We're doing like the Good Morning America in Australia. Like it, it was just kind of a phenomenon yeah. for my very first record. Right. right, especially to go from that one where never oh, played terrible. this for anyone yes, to yes. actually that, made a hit record. Yeah, actually made a hit record. And then I learned real quick because then after that I was like, oh, shit, whatever I do is like, so my first remix yeah. after that, I remixed this record. It was an R&B record. We just used this female vocal. We didn't even use the male vocal. And it ended up, they ended up repurposing the record. It was Miranda, Your Love is So Divine. Oh, okay. They actually put it out as an original, and that became a pop record where it, it entered the Hot 100. Wow. And here I am thinking like, oh, shit, whatever I do is fucking magic. Yeah, I got the golden yeah, touch. Yeah, I got the golden <laughs> touch. I know what I'm doing. And then you put out another record, and it doesn't do that. And then you oh, put wow. out another record, and it doesn't do that. So then you start to learn. You have to learn from your failures, but you also have to learn from your successes and more importantly, don't overanalyze the record. Because if I would have told you Jump was going to be a worldwide smash, no way. But there was other records that I thought, like, this record's going to fucking go, and it's garbage. It doesn't do anything. It just doesn't do anything. And I, I'll share another story. When we did uh, I Like That with Luciana, yeah. the original version never had Luciana on it. Oh really? The original version was just the male vocal. I like I like that, which yeah. is actually a logic sample. Is a logic sample the vocal? I a like vocal. that. Yes, it's in there. <laughs> like one of those ones yes. that just comes with like yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh if you God. go to the rap, he, he says blah, 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 and I like that. And no we way. just took that, right? That's amazing. It's, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the record was just an instrumental record that yeah. we that we started playing. I started playing. It was doing very well, me playing out in sets. 
And and before we put it out, like before it was actually released, yeah. uh, Static Revenger, who's now Latroit, was like, hey, man, how about if we send it? I have a relationship with Luciana in the UK. And I'm like, yeah, I'll send it. And they sent it over. And Luciana sent back these vocals. Now, when I look at it, amazing fucking vocals. But I already have been playing the dub. I was already playing it in the yeah, clubs. Yeah, your brain's used to My it. My brain's way, used yeah. to it. So I was like, oh, vocals are cool. I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> nothing of the record and then it wasn't until vice hits me yo can you send me that luciana record i'm like cool and then uh my assistant at the time i'm like uh he's like what version do i send to vice i'm like send him the dub what do you what do you mean he's like and he hits vice and he's like no vice wants the vocal i'm like really so I sat back and go and i hadn't heard the vocal in like three or four months yeah and i sat back and i said play me the vocal he plays it and i was like oh shit all right all right i could see all right let's send the vocal but mind you and i'll share this i'll share this story we shot the video ourselves yeah we sold the song to a label for the world except for north america and i'll share this information with the video they gave us 1500 bucks wow because we never we didn't think anything of it. So you thought, okay, I'm just selling this song. For we just thought, yeah, yeah. And everywhere we, except for North America. Yeah. And my boy was like, yo, let's just do a video. I'll do it myself. That like we sent Luciana a couple camera shots to shoot for her. Her friend is shooting it. Like we did the video for like $900 and we're like, all right. Like I literally from the advance of that song i think i made like 35 dollars. right because this is again we i didn't think like oh and you sold off the, the publishing all the no 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 we kept the publishing i oh, publishing okay. but i'm just saying we sold a master with a video right right um oh and that God. record all of a sudden like about a month later i'm starting to get emails like hey man your song's bigger than than justin beaver in australia i'm like what are you talking about and this is before streaming. This is iTunes. And, I'm, and I go to iTunes Australia and I'm like, what the fuck? This is number. And then I, I get another email like, hey, man, uh, your song's uh, number three on MTV today on the countdown. I'm like, see, you can never, <laughs> ever, ever like you just have to put your art out and yeah. let it do what it's going to do. Right. And because if it becomes a success does not mean it's better art than your art that you put out that yeah. maybe doesn't become a success. Right. It's just how people react to it. And that's one thing that I've just learned over the years. Uh, don't get so attached. Be be attached about putting out your art. Yeah. As opposed to the result. Right. Be attached to the, to the consistency. Yes. And your love for yes. it. And the reason why you started, you know, that that's to stay in touch with that and that'll continue your yeah. inspiration yes and rather that, than worrying about what everyone else is going to think that yes. almost like kills your inspiration and creativity and i tell you and i tell you this because i've gone through that mode where it's killed my inspiration and creativity because yeah. you start chasing the hit right right you start oh i did this I need to do another record like it yeah and you start and you lose your creativity so when you said you've reinvented yourself let me just tell you what exactly happened what exactly happened is i did something that was really well 
And then I start chasing it. And what starts to happen is I got to a point a couple of times in my career, and this is where people think I reinvented, where I was like, this is no fun. I don't like what I'm doing. I yes. don't I don't like the music. And, I, and, I, and I'll share this. Not very many people know this. But uh, I was doing remixes and production with Pete Lormer. We went yeah. under Vision and Lormer. We were probably at a point, we were probably the number one remixers in a world for about six months. Like we were the amount of money that was coming in. And what started happening was because our rates went so high, we weren't remixing the cool records anymore. We were remixing the records that had the budgets to pay us. Right. And then we would be like, we would turn down like, oh, they only have 10K for that remix. Nah, we can't can't do it for 10k we have to be at 20 and 25 and we were missing out on the cool records and then taking records that weren't great and trying to make them sound cool yeah and it and i'll share this story and my wife still doesn't believe this but i remember i remixed bootylicious right right destiny's child and for an enormous sum and I'm remixing going, oh, these lyrics are terrible. <laughs> I would never play this. And then you start psyching yourself out in your head. Like, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. This is good. And, I, and I'll share this story. So I, I, pressed, up, I pressed up acetates because I'm playing, I'm playing at a rave or somewhere. I'm playing with Armand and Junior Sanchez. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring them acetates because I also did a dub of Bootylicious. And I'm going to give them my acetate. We'll all go to dinner. This is going to be great. And I remember being at dinner. I'm like, yo, I just finished up this. And they're like, oh, what is it? And I was like, Destiny's Child, Bootylicious. And I'm bringing out the acetates. And they're like, you know what, man? I know you spent some money on those acetates. I think you should give it to somebody who will play it as opposed to just sitting in my crate. And then I realized at that point, I was like, oh, shit. I'm not doing what I love to do. Right. What I set out to do. Yeah. Right now, I'm doing, I'm trying to make Bootylicious sound cool <laughs> like it's not there's no way it's just no way that was going to happen and so what happens right then and there i was like all right you know what i'm not doing this anymore i'm not i'm gonna go back underground right i, I don't want to and this is where people think i'm reinventing myself but this is where i'm rediscovering the passion yeah, you're re-inspiring yeah i'm re-inspiring yeah so what i started doing for my for my inspiration this the the first time i started like let me remix the records i fucking love right let me start doing bootlegs and my friends are like now mind you i'm going from like and i'll just share this like 25 30 grand to do a remix to doing remixes for free yeah bootlegs like my friends are like what are you doing and i'd be like and I, but I found the passion. Yeah. And this is when I like, I did a bootleg of like Timberland, the way you are. I did a bootleg of like sexy back. I was picking out songs, pop songs that I loved, or I was, I did a bootleg of the killers, just stuff that I love to find that passion yeah. again. And then I found a new passion and a new direction of what I was going to do. And I was only going to touch stuff that I loved. Yeah. Not because and I started turning down remixes. Hey, we got this remix for you. And I listened to it. I'd be like, I can't do that. It's right. not going to work. I can't do it. I only do stuff that I know I can make work and I'm going to play. So I just re 
like found the passion again and I go on to a new direction. And that's when people are like, oh, he's reinventing himself. But it's only because I've you've gone down and I and I and I started losing the passion. Right. And I've been very uh I've been very lucky to cause some people don't get it back again. Right? No. Yeah. You see right. some people or they just try to stick with the same old yes, thing, you absolutely. know, and they're like, I'm good at this. This is what I do. Yeah. And they just keep doing it. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like they're in this in-between purgatory yes. area where like, yes. it's not horrible, right. but it's also not what they You're wanted. Not growing. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And you can hear it in their sets yeah. or their music yeah. and stuff like that too. Yeah. So don't look up my remix, Bootylicious. <laughs> now we have to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, it's not the greatest thing in the world. Right. But I, I think, Something important you keep touching on is the failing or, you know, in your eyes failing or, or it not going your way and then getting and learning from that and getting back up from that, you know, and constantly not thinking up, well, that's it. This is the end or that, that just knocked me down. Like it puts you in a place where then you, you're forced to go get your inspiration back or go back to that spark of why you started and what you love about it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard because I could tell you because of the EDM bubble. Yeah. I can still hear some of the DJs that have had great success doing the same type of records. Right. And I'm just like, this is not good, man. This is not good. But I understand because I've been there before where you're stuck and you're like, but I still want to play the festival. I still want to play this. Right. It's either you're going to fade or you have to reinvent yourself. You got to change the sound. You got to be able to say, okay, that was great. And I did that. And you're going to have to like, you know, um, like I'll share another story. Real. um, I was playing a lot in the rave scene at the end of the nineties Yeah, and the super clubs started coming up, right? right? The super clubs, the deep dishes were playing, the Paul Oakenfelds were playing. And, and my manager at the time sat me down, called me in the office and said, Hey man. Cause I was like, how come I'm not playing at this club? This is the hottest club. And they sat me down and said, um, they're not booking up rave DJs. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. They're not like, so, so you either, you gotta play at the raves and you're going to stay there. Right. And and this is when raves are getting broken up. It's starting it's slowing down or you're going to have to change how you do things. And they basically told me and it, it was like you can't mix fast. Oh. You can't mix quick. You got to let some songs play. Right. And I was like, "What?" And like like you can't dress like this anymore. And I was like, I wow. walked out of that meeting. Yeah, it was wow. I was like fuck, do I fire these guys? Right. Blah, blah, blah. But then I go look at all the people that are doing it, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then I, I'm looking at my big bell-bottom pants covering my goddamn shoes. I'm like, yeah, this isn't really that sexy right now. Like, <laughs> is it? like it was cool like five years ago, but like, and, and so I had to make a decision right then. Like, all right, if I want to grow, I got to change. You got to, you got to change. And I, and I hear, and I hear a lot of DJs, the same Nexus settings. And it's just like, I don't like this record could have came out 10 years ago. Right. And, 
And just for me being on the first wave of dance music with the 90s and saw how some people, there was a whole, there was a whole community that got left behind. Yeah. Because they didn't start making house records. They stood in this hard house genre. They didn't move on. And you're going to have to, I mean, unless you, like you said, you want to stay in purgatory, which is not bad. It's not, yeah, if yeah. you can keep it going and that's where you want to be, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like keeping the job at the company that's like that yeah. middle of the road, right. like you could work harder and get the promotion you know, or right. start or, your own business. Or you start your own business and you start over. And that's one thing I've not yeah. been afraid to like, all right, I won't get booked up at all these raves. I'm going to miss out on, you know, this amount of money, but it wasn't about the money. It was more about like, I wanted to grow. Yeah. And and I've been very fortunate where I didn't look at the money and I went with like I want to play, you know, house music and I want to play this and I want to play in a club and I don't want to be I didn't want to be, you know, the first rave scenes, you know, people think of like they think all oh, the first EDCs were great, but what you don't understand, that was LA. Yeah. I'm playing at raves in Denver. I mean, Denver, Detroit, dirty warehouses you're walking in there's puddles of water like it just some things weren't fun right like, right like people think oh they were great yeah in some parts where they had it a little more organized but some other parts of the country it's just like you're just it's you're stepping on glass you're just right so yeah, yeah those promoters i mean we were lucky to have pasquale you know amazing yeah, promoters yeah, here yeah. that even in their beginnings knew how to like yes, put things together. Yes, and even we, if it was dirty, it was still, there was some charm to it. No, no, there was definitely know. some charm to it. It was yeah. definitely some charm. No, so, I know what you mean. So I, I, it was just more of a passion of like, I want to go play at clubs um, where I know the sound system is going to be, you know, immense around you Yeah, and just get back to that experience. And, and I just shied away from what the dollars were telling me yeah. to do more as opposed to, where my passion right. was at. It's hard. I feel like now more than ever is it's hard to ignore the money thing because everybody's so obsessed with money yeah. now yep. and social media. Yeah. And of course it's great to have a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of cool things to do with it. Um, and the, our culture, you know, will res sort of idolize and respect someone more if they have a lot of money it doesn't even matter if they're right. a horrible person at this right. point they're just right. like but they're killing it they got so right. much money or right they they got the business they're getting the bag and it's right. like okay well sometimes like if you're getting like the quick bag are you <clears throat> ignoring like the future you know right. and and the real reason why you're doing things and also sometimes feeding into your passion and doing things just for the love of it ends up with the bigger pot of gold at the Absolutely. end than 100%. the quick bag that you could get, yeah. you know, if you get stuck in that yeah. and, and it's hard nowadays. So I think it's so important for people to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta have, you definitely have to have the passion. And I think if, if you have the passion, you will become successful. And if you become successful, uh, it will have financial rewards yeah, I agree. at the same time, because there's nothing, there's nothing better than doing what you purely love to do. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm going to say for the most point, 80% of DJs are playing stuff that they purely love to do. But, um, but some DJs, you know, you get stuck in, 
well, I got to play this gig, so I have to play this music because I want that. And yeah. it's it's a hard, it's it's a hard, you know, it's hard to be able to say, okay, I'm going to turn that down. Yeah. And I'm going to do what I'm passionate about. Um, but I, I always pick the passion. Yeah. Yeah, I've always picked the passion because I've done it the other way. Right. And I've known that, I could tell you this from experience. Your bank account could be full and you are unhappy as fuck. Exactly. You're embarrassed like, God, what am I doing? This song sucks. Or I'm playing, you know, yes, I'm playing at this club, but nobody cares about the music. Right. What am I doing here? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it works. It works both ways. I just advise to follow the passion. Right. You know, first. I know. I think that's, such great advice especially for people coming up now like i said they they're looking all over like what yeah. should i be doing yeah. and and the sky's the limit you can do anything now people yeah. are blowing up off making blend mashup videos yep. on absolutely. tiktok and absolutely there's endless the same way we were saying there's all these new ways to collaborate there's all these new ways to become a dj and, yep. and be out there i mean there's so many djs now it's crazy just being on right. twitter and then sometimes having a tweet that will go viral about a dj thing and right. then i see the thousands upon thousands of DJs that are all talking in the comments right. and talking to each other. I'm like, I didn't even realize there's this many DJs right, in right. the world. It's right. nuts. Right. When we were coming up, there wasn't that many, or you didn't know it was just your friends around yeah, and was, the big yes. famous people. Yeah. 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 For, for me in my high school, there was a lot of DJs coming up in my scene. Right. Uh, but I didn't know about world worldly DJs. Yeah. Right. right. So, uh, but around the world, I mean, it's, you know, that, and that's what makes it, that's why even more you have to do it out of passion because there's so many other DJs that are doing it from the passion. Yeah. You know, from that passion. And, and I think, and I think passion will always speak louder. Yeah. You know, cause I, you know, when you go hear a DJ, you could be like, all right, he's, he's just playing records. Right. Or you could hear a DJ and you'd be like, yo, it's coming from within. Yeah. Like you could just hear DJs just like, damn, you know, and I don't care if it's hip hop. I don't care if it's, there's just certain DJs that when they play, you can feel their passion yeah. about what they're playing. You could see it on their face, yep. the look on their face, just yep. in their eyes, you oh. know, if they're, if they're into it. Right. Um, so yeah, that, you, you gotta stick to that. And, and as you know, you have your, your, genres and niche that you do like a lot of open format djs and a lot of the people listening to this show it's hard you get stuck in you're asked to play so many different kinds of gigs and yeah. so many different kinds of music so you almost get lost and you right. have to constantly go back to that passion and figure out why you started and and do those sets that feed your soul and uh help you mm -hmm. feel like you're doing it just for the love of it rather than like Okay, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. So and I, I have one piece of advice for for DJs, and this is what helped me because I was kind of when I first started coming up, uh, I used to play everything. Yeah, and then house music came out, and all I wanted to do was play nothing but house. But I was at clubs that weren't ready for that. Right. So this is my this is my advice to DJs: do those clubs that maybe you kind of feel like you're stuck in, then do a night. Get a night from yeah. one of those clubs and say, hey, give me Tuesday. Give me Wednesday. 
play, do your night where you are the promoter, you control everything, you control the music, and and find a club that will work with you. Do it a small club, or maybe you do it uh, bi-weekly, and where you're playing the stuff you're passionate about. Yeah. And I recommend you doing that because then you're going to start living in two different worlds, right? And I'm going to say eight out of ten times, that night is going to become hot as shit. Right. And that's what happened to me. I started doing my own nights, my own residencies, I creating my own environment. And those were the nights that, like, took off. Where I didn't have to then, I said... I don't have to play these other clubs anymore yeah. because this night took off. Right. And that's what happened with the dome. Yeah. The dome was like my puppy where I walked into Florentine gardens and said, I want to do this on Saturday nights. I struck the deal. I worked out everything, brought in my people, curated the music for the night, curated yeah. the atmosphere, curated uh, the branding of the club. And, and that took off like wildfire. Then I did another night called Diva where I did the same thing. And and after I was able to have those two nights in L.A., I didn't have to play any other clubs in L.A. Right. Right? So I, I recommend that highly to do your own night. It's a lot of work, but it is the most rewarding because you get to play what you want in front of people and I think that's the ultimate reward. Yeah. And you get to set up how you're perceived as the DJ and the thing that you love. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they can feel the passion that you're putting into it. Right. And usually that turns into amazing things. I mean, yep. we've seen even in the past few years, you know, do over that party in right. LA it's become a worldwide phenomenon, right. you right. know, um, Shaba, like so many parties like right. that. And you're, right. and the dome, I mean, you right. brought, brought it back right. and there's thousands of people yeah. there. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, just do like, I, even I think, I bet that was, I mean, I don't know for sure, but like when they were doing banana split, like yeah. that was just a, that was just a passion. Banana split. Yeah. Exactly. They're just like, we're going to go in there. We're going to play some electro. We're going to play. Yeah. We're going to put a keg on the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, we're going to yeah, play yeah. all this new stuff that we're sharing with each other exactly. at home. Like, have you heard this? this and it's 200 justice. people just yeah. in there. Crammed and it, yeah, it's just for the passion. Yeah. And you felt that passion, even though right. like AM and Steve were playing bigger nights. Yeah. You felt the passion when you walked in that you room. You felt it. I yeah. even felt, you know, I learned a lot. I remember I went to so many of those nights right. from the very first one. And I remember seeing AM, I think on the first night, uh, may have been the very first night. And I remember, because I know he was into all that yeah. stuff and we've been listening to it. And I remember seeing him do his set and get that feeling of like, maybe I'm not rocking it and go into his like AM, like Sweet Home Alabama, right, right, right. all that kind of set. Right. And it, it was cool, of course, because right. he's amazing. Right. But it lost the, like, magic feeling for right. a little bit. And right. then I saw him, like, find it, bring it back and play the shit he loved. And then right. as the night would go, really tap into that. And it yeah. became that magical thing. Yeah. And I think even as DJs that were that big, you know, he'd be used to playing these big parties and getting that reaction. Right. And so you have to be brave enough <laughs> to put that stuff aside and just go, here we go. Yeah. A whole new thing, yeah. you know, want to try. Yeah. And Aoki too. He was yeah. doing, he was, I would go see him play 
some celebrity thing and play be faithful you know right, what i mean and right. all the whole same kind of set like am would right. do but then he's like i get to do my thing here and it's in a space and then it yeah. really yeah. and that's then then that's that off. those yeah those are great examples of doing a night with your own passion yeah and i think that's very very important yeah i mean i remember yeah. talking to steve aoki back in the day and he's like this electro thing, it's, it's taken off for yeah. me, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to play this other stuff, yeah, and it's yeah. so crazy to think that now right. because look where he is, but right. it's exactly what you said. You know, you see the spark of it, and it can just grow into yeah. a volcano, yeah. bonfire type thing, you know, if you, if you keep feeding it and Absolutely. keep going with it. And yeah. people can... The bigger you get, more people will talk shit and go, oh, right. well, this, or make excuses. But really, you know, it's uh, it comes from the pure love of all of it, Man, you know, with those pure, guys and yeah, everybody. It's, it's the pure passion. And that's, you know, it, it always goes, it always, for me, it goes back to that. Yeah. No matter what I'm working on, am I passionate right. about this? Yeah. You know, um, and you just see, you just, there's nothing like seeing the love and then being rewarded. Yeah. And, and, and what I tell the new generation, um, of kids that are coming up, I've, I've been very fortunate, uh, where I've had some, some kids that have, uh, I, I like work with icon, right? Oh, dope. so, so, so icon, what they do is they'll send me, uh, students that they think are very promising will come in. Basically, we call it an internship, but it's not an internship. They're coming and working out on tracks, yeah. And 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 I'm giving them some guidance and stuff. So like, uh, and I won't call, I say intern, but the program like uh, Nightmare was my first one. Crazy. Kazo was my second one. Wow. Yeah, and I have uh, Elijah was another one who's blowing up now. This kid Lauren who's got all kinds of placements. And, and the thing that, that I, I try to share with, with everybody, especially the new generation, shit is going to be hard. Right. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Like it's not, everything is not easy. And you may rocket it right away, but I guarantee you at some point there's peaks and valleys in this whole entertainment industry. Yeah. So you have to be ready to like work your ass off. And when I say work your ass off, it's not like, oh shit, I have three gigs over three days and I'm flying cross country. <laughs> no, yeah. that's not work your ass off. That's the entertainment part. I'm talking about the Monday through Thursday. Right. Are you doing 12 to 14 hours on your art? Yeah. Are you spending it on that? Yeah. And I think that's very important for the new generation to learn because like you said, Everybody gets caught up on the clicks. Yeah. Oh, this DJ has this many followers, but I don't. Right. This DJ got a million uh, streams on their song, but I only got 30,000. You almost have to block that out. And you that's, do have yeah. To. And it's hard to do. Yeah. It's very hard because we have access on our and phone. And now that's how we communicate with each right. other is looking at each other's Instagram. And right, all that. right. And but you do have to block it out. I mean, someone, a, a DJ hit me yesterday and he had just gotten a new booking agent a month before and he was asking me for advice. And I was saying, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic. There's no real advice now. Everything's right. all new. But then I talked to him yesterday and I was like, how's it going? And he was kind of caught up on, like you said, well, I see other people working. I don't know why I'm not. Right. And I said, People, so, social media, you're only going to see the best things. Right. You know what I right. mean? Like, 
it's like you're looking at a pie chart and you're seeing a sliver of it, right. you know, and of course you're going to see them working. Right. They're showing you the one gig they had right. within the past three weeks or, right. you know, right. whatever it is. You can't Absolutely. get caught up in that. You have to focus on what you're doing. And I even reminded him, you're doing this, this, all these things you're doing are unique to you that I, from the outside, see as you're building this foundation. That's who you are and this is who you'll go and become. So if you just keep concentrating on that, You'll be good. Don't worry. You don't want to do what they're doing or the right. places they're playing. You know, so right. it's the same thing. You have to block that out while paying attention a little bit, but yep. but block it out for your own well being and just put the the work in. And the peaks and valleys, everyone was taught that through the pandemic. I mean, right. even no, this, yeah, the biggest in yes. the world, right? Yep. It was the whole world absolutely. like the peaks and valleys thing applied to a lot of people in like my world and, and people. But world. when the pandemic hit, it went all the way to the top, yep. you know? And so I think that was the prime time where even I learned a lot of lessons of like, wow, I'm focusing too much on this. I need to be working on this too, yep. or thinking about these things. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the Valley, um, it, it's hard. Cause like you said, you had that big record and you're like, anything I touch is yep. gold. Oh, my next one, my next yeah. remix is huge. Then you hit that Valley, oh, yeah. you yeah. know? So, I mean, I even heard, I think I heard you talk about another podcast about that when you got your first check, you wanted to just spend it all like on a oh, car or yes, something yes. and like that you had a business manager that, that explained to you about the peaks and valleys things and what to do, right? Save, save my fucking life. Save well, my, save my entire life. Uh, you know, I was, I was a kid out of East LA, right? Probably the most I had in my bank at any time was maybe $2,000. Yeah. Right. And $2,000 back in the day, I'm like, I'm rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I got two huge. grand, in the, <laughs> you know, and I'm driving a Jetta with Bondo on the side. Right. Like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on power 106. Everybody thinks I'm a superstar. Of course. Yeah. And you're like, you're pulling up to clubs. So finally, when I signed my first publishing check, my first publishing deal, and got my first like real check yeah. in my entire life. Like this was like a real, real check coming from where I was coming from. Um, the first thing I wanted to do was go buy a fucking convertible Beamer. Of course. Yeah, that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm like, yo, tell me what dealerships I should go to. Yeah. Right. She's like, no, you're, you're not buying a car. I'm like, yeah, I want to buy a car. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're going to buy a house. Your business manager yeah. saying that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to buy a house. What the fuck I want a house for? I don't want the responsibility. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, you're going to buy a house. And this is what we're doing. Uh, you know, it, and I, I, you know, just so you have a, a perspective, I'm coming from East LA. I got $2,000 in the bank and that's the most I've ever had. And I'm about to get a check for a hundred thousand. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. So imagine a kid from East LA not knowing anything about business, man. Like, not even like thinking $2,000 in the bank, I'm doing good. Yeah. Right? Not understanding anything. And she she basically says, um, you're going to, no, I got 105. That's what it was. You're going to put 95 down on a house. You're going to spend $5,000 on furniture and you're going to put 5,000 in the bank. And I said, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> I want a Beamer. I want a convertible. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I'm single. I'm ready to fucking roll. Right. Um, 
But she's like, she basically threatened to quit. Oh, wow. She's like, look, if you're not going to listen to me, we can't do this. Yeah. And then I called my lawyer who recommended her. And my lawyer was like, if you don't listen to her, I'm not going to be your lawyer because you're just about to fuck it all up. Not understanding anything at the time. There's some good people. Yeah, no, no. There were some good people. And I was like, I was the maddest person you've ever seen looking for a house. <laughs> the real estate agent. Like, I'm just wrong with this mad. I'm sending my assistant out. Go look at that house. I don't just pick the three houses that you think I'll fucking like. I don't want, <laughs> I'm the maddest person you've ever saw buy a house. Cause <laughs> I, like, yeah. And then, yeah. but she told me something that I couldn't even comprehend back then, Yeah. but it became very evident during COVID. Right. She said, look at, I'm going to set you up. So if this music thing ever ends, you can work at Ralph's and still have a house. Yeah. At that point in time, I'm like, Ralph's? What are you <laughs> talking about? I make beats, bitch. Yeah. I make hits. You know, <laughs> exactly. that's how I'm thinking. But when this COVID thing hit, I was like, it really like, oh, my God, this she really set me up. That's amazing. She really, she really set me up. And fast forward, right after I bought my house, I had a couple of friends that did similar deals yeah, where they got a big check out of East LA. They went and got a Lamborghini. They rent to go rent a house or rent a house. One guy rented a house in Malibu. <laughs> they all lost it within a year. Right. Lost everything. Yeah. Cause you never know when that slow time is going to hit or just don't, you know, I mean, it's like, actors or anybody in the yes. business you know yeah. like you said people probably still think some people are famous and have tons of money because yeah. they saw them on tv once yeah. they don't realize that you don't know it's few and far between some of the yep. time you know and and, mm -hmm. and with social media they see only the, your accomplishments and great things so like you're killing it non-stop right. it's like right. yeah i worked one time like yeah. i'm working on a project that might be big in the future or something but Wow, that's yeah. No, that that that's so that save and, and you know when COVID hit, I think a lot of people had to look at their like, oh shit, wait, I'm I might not work for a year. Yeah, like, oh okay, right. You know, and and a lot of people, you know, they really really struggled, um, and and a lot of businesses really really struggled, and I I was just very fortunate that I had somebody in my life way back in the day because i'm in the same house still right oh. yeah i'm in the same house still so i was i was very blessed that i had somebody say look it don't do this idiot do do what i'm telling right. you i know i know what i'm I yeah what and i'm, I'm sure it's increased so much now houses have gone up so oh, much yeah. just in the past five years yeah. it's insane yeah 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 so yeah it's um yeah I was, I was very i was very fortunate um to have some good people yeah. in your life. And and I think that's that's another thing that I that I try to uh it, somebody said this to me once. It was actually Rick Cummings from Power 106 said okay. one of the greatest things you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So if your circle is not dope, you are not going to be dope. It's so true. Like yeah. your circle has got to be dope. The people that you surround yourself, they either have to be like, have the same spirit towards the same art as you, 
or even maybe they're even stronger or or even they might even be better at it than you yeah. or they might have a better work ethic. Those are the people you want around you. The people that are going to push you. Yeah. The people that are going to go I have I have like four friends that like when I finish some or I, or I think it's finished and I send it to them and they'll be like Bro, change the fucking drums. Don't, don't, or don't put this out. This is terrible. Yeah. Like you need those people. You need the honesty. Yeah, yeah. You need the honesty, the honesty people. Or somebody is like, bro, that shit's so hot. You're fucking up. Take that and run with it. Run, run, go, go, go right. now, go now. And you have to surround yourself with the right crew. If your crew is like always on some negative shit, like, oh man, this shit, this person's only there because they did this. this that's not the energy, man. Yeah, that's not true. the energy that's going to get you where you need to go. You need to be really, really, really focused. And it's hard too, because sometimes you have friends that you really like, but they do have those qualities and yep. it's hard to make sure you put some sort of separation yeah. in there otherwise you will get caught up in it it's there's different ways that that saying goes but it's like you're the sum of the five people you hang out with the most or yep. something and yep. it, it's that same kind of thing yep. like and, and it is good to be around people that are just as good as you or better than you it's like iron sharpens iron you know you're going right. to be inspired you're going to learn you're going to see what the moves they're making, the sounds they're creating and, and all that stuff. So Absolutely. I, that's, that's true. And then what about in terms of like other parts of your team, like as a DJ or producer, what's important parts to have manager, booking agent, lawyer, any of that stuff? Is it I crucial? Mean, let me, let me tell you, a lawyer is the most crucial thing okay. and it's the hardest thing because you feel like you're wasting your money. Yes. Right. So like as you're starting off, that, that offer may be $500 for the master and your lawyer is going to charge you $500 to just overlook the contract. Right. It's really, really, really hard. Um, but let me tell you, if you don't have a good lawyer, uh, if you're signing a big deal, Right. Yeah. If you're signing a one off single and it's just one off and you can't afford a lawyer, do your best to research it. Um, but if you are signing a big deal, like let's just say Ultra wants to offer you a five single deal. Yeah. You absolutely need a lawyer. Right. You absolutely. Because there's so many people that I know that got locked into shitty deals right and they can't put out records anywhere else and they have to wait for this for their record and their a and r is like i don't like these last 10 records so they're they're sitting in purgatory wow right so yeah. a lawyer is so so important if you're doing long-term deals right with with labels that i highly recommend um in your in your team and depending on depending on on what you do, right? So like for me, where I've always found uh success is I realize I can't do everything. Yeah. Right? I can't like I can't for me, I can't be the DJ that I wanna be, produce the music I wanna do, then mix and master the music the way I wanted it to be. So for me, what I've learned, let me find people that are better at it than I am. So yeah. like I never mix and master my stuff. Right. Ever. 
ever. I've realized there's people that do it way better than me. Yeah. And I don't have to think about that. Yeah, you can so, just be creative. Yes. So if there's if there's an area that you feel in your chain, it's okay if somebody mixes your stuff. Yeah. It's okay to have help on your music. Or if you aren't the greatest chord player and you're like, bro, bring in somebody to play chords. Yeah. Or it's it's okay to collab and have help. So my my team, I, I've just found out it's like it's what yields the end result. And for me, what works is okay, be involved into every thing, every step, but the mixing, I let somebody else touch that. Right. Because some for just for me. I'll spend a, a week on a mix yeah, and I'm still not there. And I'm just like, I could have been working on the next two records. Oh my God. I right? saw like not, I was, you know, TikTok has a lot of funny, crazy little skits right. on it. Right. I was on there last night and there was, there's one sound everyone uses. Like, I guess it's like, uh, it's, it's like the sound from the sample from summertime jazz right. Jeff. And it's the person realizing, yeah. but it was exactly that. It right. was like a mix engineer guy. And it was like, he looked up and it was like, I could have made 19 new songs in the time I just spent getting this one high frequency sound right. out of my mix, yeah. you know, like, cause he was yes. trying to learn it. It was exactly that. Like you could just be creative, find someone else to do the part that you're not good at, or you don't want to do that. You're not right. passionate about. There's right. people that are passionate about the mix and master. Oh yes. So yes. let them do it. You yes. Know? No, I got, I got one of my, one of my good friends that, that, uh, you know, he, he came from Icon. We worked together on a lot yeah. of things. His name's Lauren Moore. His mixing is ridiculous right like ridiculous he's like yo i'm side chaining compressing with this and i'm doing it and i'm just like okay i'm not learning that <laughs> that's amazing and what you're doing right but find people that are passionate and that's that's yeah. um you know that's an advice to me is 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 set up your team yeah. right find find where you got to be able to know your strengths and your weaknesses Right. And, and I figured out my weakness was the mix down early on in my production career yeah. and, um, and having somebody, uh, play that part so I can concentrate on something else, Yeah, you know, but going back, you gotta have a great manager. You right. gotta have a manager that, um, that understands you, right. That's going to push you. Uh, that also wants to grow. Um, yeah. And I give advice to up and coming people because they're like, yo, I'm just using this as an example. I'm getting, I'm getting a dead mouse's manager to manage me. Honestly, you want a manager that's on the way up. Yeah. If you're with coming you that up. can grow with you. Yes. Yeah. Because you know what? You know what Dead Mouse's manager is gonna do for his thirteen and a half hours out of his fourteen hour a week? He's gonna work on Dead Mouse. Yeah, right. So you know, I think a lot of people see the lights and they're like, "Oh, I'm in the lights," but then they realize they don't get the time that they expect. True. So my advice is find a manager that you think is gonna be the next big manager. Yeah. Right. That you can grow with that. He's, he's so hungry that he has to eat when you eat. 
Yeah. Like you want that person if you're coming up, uh, in my opinion. Um, and I was very fortunate um, during my career because I had both. Yeah. You know, at one point I was being managed by Madonna's manager and her team. Wow. Right. Thinking like, oh, shit, I'm going to do some big shit. Yeah. Right. But reality, they aren't sitting there going, okay, Richard, let's find you this other gig to play in Florida. Like, <laughs> that's not like, that's not on their agenda. Right. Right. And I was very fortunate to find some, some managers that were, you know, that I worked with that were on their way up yeah. to becoming the next thing. Yeah. Um, and those, those management relationships i think were more fruitful for me and i recommend that yeah okay that's interesting i think that's valuable too for people to hear um and another thing i've heard you talk about that was interesting is because a lot of djs are known for i think drinking partying you know all that <laughs> stuff like you're not really that into that or at all really right no i'm not i've never been into the party party factor Maybe at a high school, yeah, I was a little bit right. Um, that's interesting though, especially coming from the rave world and all yeah, that stuff. No, I no, mean, abs absolutely. That was the spot to go do whatever. Yeah, you to go to ham. Do. But if I was going to the raves and everything I was doing, I was DJing. Right. And I've DJed drunk before. Yeah. I'm shitty. Right. I'm terrible. A I lot of people think they're better. No. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I killed it last night. Until blah, they blah, listen blah, blah. back. Yeah, they listen back and it's terrible. I don't ever want somebody ever to say, I went to go hear Richard and he sucked. Yeah. So I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to drink. If I have to, I will never, ever be drunk. Only because I don't want to fuck up. And right. I want to, I love what I'm doing. And I want to be able to, to, to bring that energy through the music to the people on the floor, to the people that are there at the event. And if I fuck up, that's going to fuck up the energy. Yeah. Right. So some DJs can get away with drinking and right. partying. You know, they're letting a song play for four minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure if I let a song play for four minutes, I can be drunk too and get off to the next blend. Right. Some but you're like real a real DJ within that space, and you care. I mean, you care about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot. No, no, no. I, I I care about it. I care about it so much that I edit every single record I play. Wow. Like I haven't played a record that I have not edited in probably 15 years. Oh, that's so. Nuts. Like I'll spend eight hours on my set that I'm playing that night. Yeah. Doing my special edits, making. So I I just I've always been a passion of what I'm doing on the decks for some DJs that's part of their persona and their energy. Yeah. Right. Sure. They're, they're drinking is part of their vibe They're you know, and that's what they bring to the table. Right. For me, what I bring to the table, I want somebody to hear some songs that they've never heard before or hear a flip or hear two songs mixed. Like they've never heard mixed before yeah. where they're just like, Oh my God. Like, I want to blow your mind through the speakers. Yeah. Right? Not blow your mind at visibly because I'm I'm taking shots or I'm I'm having a great time up there. Um, 
And that's just the way I, I've looked at it because I've DJ drunk and I was shitty. <laughs> and I and I just don't want somebody or you hear like, Oh yeah, he sucked because he was drunk. Or or I know friends who were drunk but people didn't know it and they'd be like, Yo, he played shitty last night. I'd be like, What happened? Oh, I was really drunk. But some people may not know you're drunk. Right. Right. So I'm just I'm just a passion I'm just passionate about what I'm playing. And I'm having such a good time because you start to also realize when you do it for so long, you start to realize like, like you're blessed every time you're up in front of people. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Right. At the beginning. That's the best way to look at it. You yeah. Know, at you're the, yeah, you're at, lucky that you're getting to even do that. Yes. Because at the beginning, you're just like, oh, I'm going to be at the next party. I have my next gig. I have my summer tour. I have this. Yeah. I have this. And that continues, but then you start to realize, like, because I've gone through so many avenues, like, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm blessed to still be able to play what I want to play. Yeah. Like, I need to take advantage of this um, because there's a lot of, there's DJs that don't get to play exactly what they want to play. Right. Um, so I just, you know, for me, the drinking and stuff like that, I just, I keep it completely out of DJing just because yeah. I don't want to fuck up. Right. I, I just need to be, I'm thinking about, you know, triggering three records at the same time. I don't, I can't, you know, I'll I tell you a funny story. Uh, me and Bill did the, Bad Boy Bill did the Back to Vinyl tour, our first tour. Right. First time we've played on vinyl in like 15 years. It was like, what, two, three years ago, right? This is the first one we did was like about four years ago. Okay. Yeah, 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 like four years ago. And, and and mind you, all the clubs now have bass bottoms under the DJ booth. It's not the easiest thing to set oh up. Oh, my God. Not to crazy. set up turntables. Yeah. Like, we have to bring in slabs of concrete. We put it under racquetballs. We have this whole <laughs> fucking setup. It's right. fucking Bill figured it all out. And it was, it was the start of our tour, and I believe it was either – it was Cincinnati. So we're in Cincinnati – Packed house is me, Bill, uh, uh, Crystal, who produces Power Tools, was road managing for us. And we're like, let's do a shot to kick off the tour. Me and Bill are not real drinkers. Right. Right. So we do a shot. Mind you, I haven't had a shot before I've DJed in probably 15 years. Wow. That's crazy. But now I'm getting on vinyl. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is already gonna like separate the men from the boys oh yeah oh my god we walked out of there bill looks at me what the fuck was that <laughs> there was points where we were i won't say train wrecking but we were holding on to just get that mix out like the beats were like they're crossing each other and coming back it was like, it were like, all right, number one, we're going to go sound check for four hours tomorrow in practice. <laughs> number two, we're never doing a drink again before oh we God. DJ. And it's that like was drunk driving. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. That was, that was, and that was just one shot. And, right. uh, and back then when I started, you were playing on vinyl. Yeah. Right. So I got out of that because you really, I mean, if you fuck up on vinyl, everybody on the dance floor knows you fucked up. Oh, yeah. Right? There's no, There was no delays or reverb right. to hide things. You no. know, there was no belly now. It was just like everybody looks up. 
the fuck did he just do? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I, I, I cut out drinking way back in the day for that reason. That's that's yeah. interesting. It's a cool lesson though for people to to hear cuz I feel like it's so that's another thing that we're so ingrained with now is you got to let's get fucked up or oh, you know yeah. Ha- yeah. which is fine. Some people can do it. I mean, it's fine either way, yeah. but I think and it's techni- just known like DJs get faded. Yeah. That's it. Or yeah. they're totally sober cuz they had a horrible right. you know, they were but there's no in between. Right. I'm the in between guy. Yeah, I'm the guy that's, that's just like I'm I'm not doing it. But with technology too today it's gonna it's gonna keep your stuff quantized, so yeah. I, I, I guess you you have more leeway of getting you fucked up. You can do it, yeah. But getting fucked up back on vinyl, there was with no effects on a mixer, there was no leeway. No, yeah, no. there was nothing. It was, um, it was just you sucked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean you. I mean even with the volumes, you have to know your records, how loud they're pressed, oh, yes, and all that yes, stuff. I mean, yes. there's a lot of and the, and be very. When I go back to vinyl now, I'm like, I keep having to remind myself how light my hand needed to be and all right, that stuff. Right. So different. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I ask the internet for a question sometimes. Okay. Uh, and cool. some people wrote some things in. There's actually a lot of them, so I don't know if we'll get to all of them. And I didn't have time to kind of scan them. So let's see. If some of them aren't good, we could just skip through. But um, we got, uh, well, some of them we've answered. Um, will you bring back the dome permanently? We kind of talked about that. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Um, when will you be throwing another power tools party? Last Friday was awesome. Okay. It's, it's a lot about that. <laughs> um, why did you drop the Humpty from your name? Betramos1 asks that. And actually a few people in a row, I'll ask that. Uh, is that so, so something? Yeah, no, no, no. We, he, a lot of people ask me this question. Um, when I started working on Power and they were going to give me a regular slot, the program director at the time uh, said, we have to give you a nickname oh, okay. to be on the radio. Right. We got to spice it up, as they would say. And so he called me into the office. And, and, and to understand this, mixing on Power 106 is back then is the equivalent of playing at EDC every single weekend. There was nothing bigger than mixing on power one Oh six at that time. Right. Not even, there wasn't even a comparison. There wasn't even a second place. Yeah. Like power one Oh six was the biggest thing you can do every single week. So I'm just excited that I'm having an opportunity because this is like my ultimate dream. And mind you, this is before EDC to a certain extent, this is almost the highest pinnacle for a DJ at that time. And so he's like, we gotta, we gotta give you a name. And my DJ name at that point was Richard vision. That's what I was known as. That's where I mixed at all the clubs, all my parties, house parties since high school. And he looks at me and he goes, all right, I got a nickname for you. We're going to call you fab five (laughs) Freddie. No, (laughs) I swear to God. And I go like, he just thought he made that up. (laughs) No, no, no. I said like, the guy on MTV in New York? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but nobody knows him here in LA. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, I have MTV. And, yeah, I, and like, I like, I'm like. probably the, one of the most famous people. Right. So, so imagine, I can't say, I got to be very careful on what I say. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting the opportunity of my lifetime. Right, of course. So I said, I'm not a big fan of that. Okay, okay. And he's like, all right, but let's put something in between the Richard in the vision. And I'm sitting there like, whoa, I'm like, and I'm trying to sell him on Richard vision. 
Yeah. Like everybody knows me. He's like Richard, Richard, um, Richard Humpty Vision. Richard Humpty, Richard Humpty Vision. We're going to call you Richard Humpty Vision. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm thinking this is terrible. <laughs> like, and I, and, and mind you, I'm just a kid from East LA. Yeah. I don't know, like, you know, I don't know the proper etiquette. I don't know how to say no the right way or, or if I'm pushing too much. Right. So I'm trying not to like be Debbie Downer. Yeah. And he's like, what do you think of it? And I was like, I don't really like it. And he looks at me, he goes, we can call you Richard Humpty Vision or we don't have to call you at all. And I said, there you go. Richard Humpty Vision works. Crazy. As simple as that. And as I'm walking out of the office, he goes, you know what? I know you don't like the name, but trust me, when somebody hears it one time, they'll never forget it. And that he was right about. Yes, he was right. 100%. Because I remember hearing it for my first time. Yeah. Sticks in my head. 100%. For some reason, Humpty Vision yeah. did go together almost yes. like a term to me in my head yes. even though it meant nothing and i didn't understand but i'd right. hear it on the radio yeah you would hear it on the radio but then all my friends are like why why are they calling you humpty like my <laughs> friends are clowning me like i'm going and like right. like my certain friends are like yo i'm not putting humpty on a flyer yeah. like i have certain friends that i'm already yeah. djing with and they right. refuse to put the name oh wow but as the name took off it stuck with me yeah right but i never liked the name yeah. from day one Never liked it. I was just like, this is this is not this is not cool. But I understand how it gravitated to people. Yes. So then we put out mixed CDs back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. So I got to a certain point in my career where I felt I was successful enough or had control of my artistry where I was like, yo, I don't want this name that I don't like. Yeah. So I try to change it. I try to get rid of it the first time, but because of mixed CDs, you had slots at Tower Records and Warehouse. If they can't change your name, they have to give you a new slot. Yeah. And the labels are like, no, we're not going to do that because they have to give you a second slot. That means somebody who comes by your new CD isn't going to buy the old CD. And I had a deal with Tommy Boy. Oh, wow. And they're like, we're not doing two slots. You're going to affect our sales. People are going to, the people don't, people already know you as Richard Humpty. So I couldn't drop it for about another four years. <laughs> I went crazy. on. And it, it got to a point to where uh, the, the internet was starting to pop. It wasn't so much about selling mixed CDs yeah. that, you know, I finally just said, this last record, I'm, this is it. I'm not putting Humpty on a on a record again. Cause it was killing me every time I'd see I have a piece of vinyl and say Humpty in parentheses. Right. I'd be like, oh, this is embarrassing. And I've always felt that way. So then I just got to a point in my career where I'm like, all right, no more Humpty. So I just dropped it. Right. Yeah. It was just it was just me dropping. No, that it. makes sense. That's so crazy. I didn't know any of that. What's some what's funny is that I have I have fans that have come into the fold yeah. after Humpty. So then like, so for instance, like my wife is not from LA. She's okay. from Albuquerque. She's only been in LA like 14 years. Yeah. It wasn't like until a year out, we were going out and somebody's like, yo, Humpty Vision. My wife looks at me like, what the fuck's a Humpty Vision? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's what they used to call me. And she's like, really? And I had to explain it to her and she looks it up. She's like, oh shit, this is weird. Like, so now to get on my nerves, she'll be like, yo, Humpty, can you take out the trash? <laughs> I fucking hate it. 
<laughs> it's fucking hilarious though. Oh my god! At the same time, but some my, my like my old friend, like Bad Boy Bill. Yeah, he'll always call me Humpty. Yeah, there's just certain people. It just stuck. Yeah, it just stuck. So that's that's the reason why I dropped it. Um, man, I gotta get Bad Boy Bill on here yeah. one day. Oh, uh, definitely. definitely, man. Um, all right, let's see what else. That's oh, and someone else. A lot of Humpty questions, so yeah. you answered all of them. But someone else had a uh, said, "Did you have any issues with Shock G over the name?" Was that no, a, no, a that crossover. No. I don't. I never had an issue with yeah. it. I don't. I don't think there was an ever an issue because this is before the internet. I think. Yeah, I think so. so I think too. some people just thought I was an LA thing there for a while, right. and I was in the rave scene. He was doing hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, big, big yeah. uh, separation. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's see. X O Charlie X O says, "Please tell him he killed it Friday night at the dome. <laughs> it was one of the best nights of my entire life." Yeah. Um and asked what's uh what first inspired you to make music and who was your biggest influence? I mean you kind of said it. I don't know if you have any more to add to it, but yeah, no, I think I should um, yeah. Sour milk wrote in uh what and, did he uh, ask? And, and he's someone else that also I think he doesn't drink or anything, right? You know what? I just found that out yeah. Friday night that he's He'll be never in Vegas, everywhere. He's no. never had alcohol. At least I've had alcohol. I, I looked at him and he's never a, had a period, like period. Ever. How on earth? That's what I said. Like, we're sitting there at Florentine's at 3.30. ever a time in your life where you just were like, I'm a yeah. kid, I'm trying this? Yeah, it's crazy. He said he's had no desire. That's 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 amazing. Great. That's amazing. Yeah. That's maybe that's I don't why love alcohol. Like, I hate the way it tastes. I don't love how I feel. But I'll still have a drink of and stuff. But right. wow. That, right. I think I'm too curious. I wanted to try everything back right. in the day. But that's... Uh, <laughs> Wow, yeah. What so is Sour Milk ask? How many oh, times he just, no, he didn't ask. He no, said, do you understand? Well, he says, does he understand how much of a legend he is? So I think he's just giving you props. Um, and uh, so, But let me, let me say, let me say, yeah. Sour Milk is probably, and I've, been, and I've been sharing this story, he's played two of the best sets I've probably, one was all Spanish right. in, the, in the set that he did at the Dome. Two of the best sets I've probably, like, are in my top 10 in the last 10 years. That's huge. Like I have the hugest respect for him of what, cause like yeah. I only knew up until, you know, two months ago, sour milk as a hip hop. Well, DJ. exactly. So it was fun to see him on Twitch. Right. And like, I watched his 24 hour stream. That's the one. And that's the first time I heard, him. I'm like, Oh shit. And what, I'm like, he knows more. He knows about everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah. he's good at it. Yes. And yes. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. and his personality and it's just not what you, Fully, you know, you only get a little piece of it on right. Power 106. Right. So right. I agree. And that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic, you yes. know, being able to watch him DJ and get to right. know him better. Right. Um, so you're a legend too, Sour Mill. <laughs> Big up yourself. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, there's a lot of random things here. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you to everyone that wrote in, not dissing you, but um, I don't know if we, we don't, you know, don't want to keep them here all the time. Um, oh, I guess he said, why have there been no, uh, Danny Diggs writes in, it says huge fan since Humpty Vision. Right. Um, ask him, ask the legend why there's been no revisiting of his classics. Uh, any ASR 10 masters or the, were they lost? No, I actually have, um, over COVID, and this was um, this was great. About uh, I actually cleaned out my garage, right? Oh wow! So, um, and when I say clean out my garage, I need to do that. I'm talking, 
you couldn't take two feet of a step into my garage. Yeah. Crates of records just so it was one of those things like everybody did. We're going to clean out our garage. Yeah. So in doing so, I found all these Power 106 reel-to-reels. Wow. Like power, old power tool mixes. I found, going to your question, I found all the dats of all my productions Amazing. of what he's talking about of, um, you know, all like original masters that I'm remastering. Um, I may revisit some records. There's some records that I'm just like, oh my God, this still works today. Um, like there's a record that I did and it, and it was, and it spoke during COVID called, um, it was called All Right that I did with Devin A. And I just saw a lot of DJs playing it over COVID. I was like, wow, everybody like on live streams, like, why are they playing this? Right. And so I may revisit some of those because I found some acapellas on the dats. We used to bounce out yeah. the acapella, the instrumental. So I may revisit some of those old records for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, for sure. Same way the dome was a success, you know, bringing it back. You could look yeah. into those. You yeah. Know, could be Absolutely. Dope. Um, all right. Well, we're, we're about to hit two hour mark. You know, oh, say shit. We could, I'm we talking wrap way it up. too much. No, I love yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> so much great stuff. I've had such a good time. I just don't want to keep yeah. you too long. No, thank you for having um, me. And, uh, yeah. You want to talk about before we get out of here, maybe any stuff on the horizon, like that you're working on and places uh, people can find all yeah, your stuff. And you all know, that. one project that I'm working on that I'm really excited about, because one thing that I, that I, that I want to do is be able to, um, and this is why I kind of do the internship, yeah. to be able to pass on like knowledge that I've learned or help the next generation yeah. also come up. Yep. You know, that's why I, you know, I do the program with Icon. Um, and like right now I have this, uh, this Latina girl group that I'm developing that's making a lot of noise. They're called Sweet Taboo. And it's so important because um, the I, I, I want to say, A, the world needs a group like this, but I also like that I'm helping three Latino girls find their dream. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What are they? What's it called again? They're called Sweet Taboo. I think I yeah. saw them recently. Yeah. on something, a some were, live performance. Yeah, they were on and they did Angie V's live stream. Uh, they're just they just dropped the single. They're just they're making a, a lot yeah. of noise, and it's important to me because just the way I was helped by like uh, a Rick Cummings, just yeah. being in East LA, not knowing anything. Right. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing this project with these girls because. They're very passionate about what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. And these girls are about to blow up and do some really big worldwide things. That's and that's, that's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And, um, you know, the, I'm going to definitely be dropping more original music. That's, nope. that's for sure. Nice. Um, that I'm really excited about. We got a couple of things uh, that are in the pipeline that's going to be coming out. And, um, you know, that's, I, I think those two things are, you know, a lot of people don't know, but I, I've been developing other artists. That's something that I've been working really hard on because sometimes you want to take the knowledge of everything you've done yeah. and say, Hey, you know what? I can help you avoid these mistakes. Right. Right. Because if you do this, I know this is probably going to happen. 
and I can help you get from A to B. Yeah. And that's been something I'm very passionate about because the focus isn't on me. It's about me making that person a star. Yeah. Right? It's about me making Sweet Taboo a star. Not like, hey, how can I get more followers? Hey, Hulk, how can I be bigger? Yeah. Um, and I and I like that part of things. Right. Yeah, it's making me I almost use a different side of my brain. Yeah. But then focus the energy like how do I make that person a star? Right. And it's kind of it's a little different as opposed to how do I blow myself up? Yeah. Uh, I need to be higher on the bill. How do I do this more like yo, this is how we're going to blow you up. Yeah. And I like I like that energy. But I think there's something about that giving back whether it's to the students, yep. developing artists is what will feed you in that other passionate way, yes. like you said, and yes. lead to more happiness and doing things for the right reason rather than like, this could be my money maker type right. thing, you know, and Absolutely. be so stuck on it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's dope. Oh, well, man. Yo, thank you so much for coming on the show. You. No, thank you for having me. Uh, like I said before at the beginning, I'm a big fan. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. This oh. is really dope. I will. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, that, that inspires me to keep doing right. it, you know, right there. So... Um, all right, you guys. Well, uh, go check out everything he's saying. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully I'll see you if you do the dome again. I'm definitely yeah, coming. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right, cool. We will see you soon. Thanks. Awesome. All right, that was very enjoyable. Oh, my God. Richard Vision was just dropping gems nonstop. So much fun to talk to. Such a smart, talented dude. I got a lot out of it. I hope you guys did too. And I really appreciate him taking his time to come all the way down here and talk to us. Um, the 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider. You want to keep in touch with me, like I said at the beginning of the episode, find me on Instagram at DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. Same thing on Twitch. Let me know who you want to hear on the show, anything you want me to talk about, and I will see you next week. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.